0: You are listening to the Sojourn Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to view a video version of this message, please visit our website, sojournchurch.org. The question, are you free? Have you discovered the freedom that Jesus paid for? He paid in full with his life at the cross for us to be free. Not without problems, but so that we can live in freedom and not in bondage, that we can be who he's called us to be that we walk in, in the freedom that he paid for us so that we can represent him on earth. That's what this series is about. So I, hope, I encourage you as we go through this, ask the Lord to say, Lord, show me if there's areas that I'm in bondage. Show me areas that I need to be free in. Show me areas that, that I can walk in greater freedom. And that's really what he wants to do. Um, freedom is not an event. It's a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus. It begins with salvation. It begins with a relationship with him. But as we saw in the video there, but it's a not only a journey, it's a, it's a continual process as we know God, know Jesus, we embrace his word, we walk in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in obedience. And that's really what happens. It's just a continual process that God releases in us so that we can be more like like him. And we can really discover the freedom that he has paid for. He's paid for it all. I want to do just a little review for those of you that may be online that are first time to to uh, didn't catch last week's message. You can always go online and, and review the messages that we have. But just a little review, if you turn with you will, to uh, John chapter 8. These two or three verses that I'll share here in the beginning are really uh, foundational for what we're talking about. John 8 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, I just want to stop there for just a moment. This is so profound. Truth is not, again, black ink on white pages. It's a person, it's Jesus. Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And as we know him and walk in his way He releases us, and we discover that his freedom that he's already paid for. Very interesting verse here, and Pastor Chris shared last week. Verse 33 said they answered him, and he's talking to to Jews at the time. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Interesting. I mean, if you think about the scenario right there where they're sitting, they're in bondage to Rome. I wonder what they thought. I wonder, if you said, I wonder what those Roman soldiers are doing there. You know, uh, excuse me, do you think they're just here passing time? No. Do you realize, though, that we can be deceived? You know, the definition of being deceived is that you don't know you're deceived. And that's where I found myself years ago. I grew up in church. If somebody had said, are you free? I'd go, absolutely, I'm free. Not. Go to church, i received Jesus. And just sitting right in the middle of church in absolute bondage and had no idea, no concept of freedom, had no concept of anything about the enemy. And it was in 1982, I've shared my testimony many times of going to the James Robinson meeting that I heard for the first time about spiritual warfare. When I found out that there was a war going on, I realized I'd already been taken captive. I, I didn't even know there was a battle. But I also discovered that same weekend that Jesus had won the victory completely and that freedom was available to me. I literally got set free, filled with the Spirit, got a revelation of the love of the Father. The Word of God came alive in me. From that day until to this day, right here, the only desire that we've ever had is to help everybody encounter the same freedom that Jesus paid for. We started a meeting in our home to just share what God had done. And We started church, and uh, with the same purpose, we just wanted to help everybody discover what Jesus has already done. Again, I, I was sitting in church, attending church, very regular in church, but sitting there in bondage. Now you may be sitting there today in the same way. He wants to set us free. Now, let me tell you one more, one more thing. It's not free to do what you want to do. It's free to walk in the ways of God. It's not problem-free either. We think that also. Well, I'm going to get out of this. There won't be any problems. No, there's nothing but problems. <laughs> Hello? We're here to solve the problems because the problem solver is Jesus, and he's already solved the problem because the problem is sin, and he's already dealt with sin. So what I want to do today, and one more verse here, and then we'll continue what I want to share today. Turn to John 10.10, and this is the other verse that I think is foundational for us. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. Now, these two verses, I believe, really set the stage for us, and I want you just to think about this for just a moment. This is so simple. We have an enemy that he has set on our destruction. We have a God who has set on our, giving us life. And I think about it, if you could picture this in your mind's eye, writing on a piece of paper, you know, across the top line and down the middle of line. And on this side over here, you can put the enemy, the thief, devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Basically, he brings death. And on this side over here, you put Jesus, and you put life, and life more abundant. And I want you to think about that for just a moment, because it's literally that simple. And so what we're wanting to talk about uh, today is just how do we really walk this out in practical ways. Uh, Just a little story here years ago, and I know I've shared this at the church before uh, sharing out of Deuteronomy, it says, the Lord says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he says, choose life that you might live. And I remember um, saying, you know, I said, God wasn't sure we'd get it right, even though two choices. So he's he told us what to do, choose life. And you know, people would laugh. And I shared that a number of times and get laughter every time. And then one time we had a guest here and shared the exact same thing and people laughed. And I'm sitting there on the front row, and the Lord spoke to me and said, you've got it wrong. And I go, okay, that, that's not shocking <laughs> that God would say I've got it wrong. It'd be shocking if say I got it right, probably. But he, he goes, I don't understand. He said, you're thinking you have two choices, life and death. He said, but you don't. That's why I said choose life. You have to choose life because your default is death. So you've got to understand what we're we're dealing with here. We didn't come out nice, perfect little people and get messed up. No, we came out in sin, and we've got to correct our thinking and our ways so that we can live in the fullness of what he's paid for. So discovering freedom is discovering what Jesus has done for us and then walking in that freedom and get rid of the old. So what, this is the, I'm gonna come, We'll come back to this passage in a minute, but it's so so very important. Now, last week, Pastor Chris said we're in a war, and we are in a war. And I'm gonna tell you the primary battleground is right here. It is between your ears. It's your mind. It's your thought life. That's what the enemy does. He messes with your thinking, man, because he knows that if he can, he mess that up. We're gonna have all kinds of trouble. So the battle is really in the mind for the mind. Now turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. We're going to cover some, some scriptures and we'll just talk about this, basically just introduce this, this battle to you, even though we all very familiar with it, because we're, it's going on all the time. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 says, "...to be carnally or fleshly-minded is death, but to be spiritually-minded is life and peace." Again, real simple. Think about the ledger now. On one side you've got death, one side you've got life. And what he's saying here is that, look, if you're, if you're going to be carnally or fleshly minded, it's going to produce death. If you're spiritually minded, it's going to produce life and peace. Okay? It's that simple. So the battle that's going on, the enemy is always trying to get you to think negatively always trying to get you to hear bad reports. He's always trying to get you focused on something other than Jesus and the victory of the cross. Now, have you, are you aware that every thought that you have may not originate from you? A lot of times, see, we think, oh, my gosh, you know, I've just, all this traffic, that's going on in my mind. I don't know how to stop it. Well, first and foremost, let me be, be clear, the enemy speaks to us. Genesis 3.1, don't turn there. Let me point out that the serpent said to Eve. Now, was there a literal snake talking to Eve? Could have been. Revelations were told that the serpent uh, of old, the devil. So we know where it came from and what it is. But there was a dialogue going on there. Luke chapter 4, verse 3. It says, Then Satan said to Jesus, What, did Satan show up there with a little red suit on? Now, we don't have any place in Scripture where the devil puts on flesh and is there. But there's conversation that's going on. So what's happening? Well, the enemy is talking, and Jesus is responding. Uh, Let me give you another account. In Matthew chapter 16, where Peter has the revelation of uh, Jesus being the Son of God, later... Jesus begins to tell them in that chapter that what's going to happen. He's going to Jerusalem, going to have to suffer. He's going to be crucified and be raised from the dead. And uh, Peter boldly says, no way, Lord, that's not going to happen. And what did Jesus say? He said, get behind me, Satan. Now, he didn't say anything to Peter. He's talking to the spirit that's talking to Peter. There's a lot of accounts like that. All of that is for, for a reason Because I'm trying to make a point here that the enemy is constantly trying to plant seeds and talk to us. Uh, Look at this verse. This is uh, John chapter 8. Back to that same dialogue, which is a long passage. I encourage you to read it. This is verse 44. Now, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So again, back to my column. We have, we have the devil, and as Chris said, bad. We have God, good. We have he's a liar, And Jesus is the truth. Now that's the battle that's constantly going on. The enemy is trying to lie to you continually to try to get you into some form of bondage in some area that you will believe a lie. Because if the truth makes you free, a lie will put you in bondage. So what what God is trying to do, the journey that we're on is that we're on a journey of discovering the freedom that Jesus paid for As We get into the word and we discover the truth and we exchange that lies that we believed for truth, it sets us free. And we just continue on that journey. It happens to be called discipleship. And that's what God is after. He wants us to grow up to look like him. The more I look like Jesus, the more that I can help people look like Jesus. You can't help somebody if you've not received help yourself. So what God is wanting to do is to help us. He wants us to walk in freedom so we can free others. Free people will free people, and that's really what he wants to do. He wants us to walk in that freedom. So it's so important for us to recognize that well, the enemy is constantly lying trying to get us into to believe in a lie. Now, I want us to look at some of the just some of the the mindsets and some of the patterns of believing that the enemy tries to do. Now remember, the enemy is trying to get your mindset on the flesh. What is that? The mindset on the flesh is basically set on you? Because that's ultimately the problem. There's no answer in me. The answer is in Christ. So, if the enemy can get me focused on all the problems and all the problems in my life and the situations in my life and what's not happening, what should happen, and all those kinds of things, it's going to produce death. It's a dead end. I'm just going to be focused on this, but if I can begin to be focused on, be spiritually minded, and set my mind on the Lord, the kingdom of God, freedom, peace, love, joy, all of a sudden, there's freedom that comes into my life. You may say, well, it sounds pretty simple. Uh, it really is that simple. It's not that easy to do. But it's, it's real clear that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and Jesus came that we might have life and might have it more abundant. So let me just give you one that's going on right now. It's obviously, God's trying to get us free, but the enemy constantly focuses on the problems. And when you look at the problems, there's never a solution when you look internally and look at yourself. So what does it produce? Fear. So fear is huge. Fear is working all the time to try and to steal from us. Fear is an enemy. And no matter what's happening in the country, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's happening in your health, I mean, the first thing, fear. That's why it says 365 times in the Bible, don't fear. Why? Because it's the tool that the enemy uses to try to get us to move off him. Because it's, whatever's going on in your life is screaming out there, you know, look at me, look at this problem, look at COVID-19, look at the finances, look at what's going on in this nation. And I mean, it's like, oh my gosh. And that's exactly what the enemy's trying to do. How does he do that? Through the media through all kinds of sources. You do realize that fear sells. Uh, I saw a report the other day where, CNN, Fox News, all these major broadcasters, their viewership has jumped through the coronavirus deal and especially through all the different riots and stuff that's going on. Why? Because fear sells. Why is that? Because people are fixated on that. The enemy is always trying to get us fixed on those, what are the problems? Again, that's how they, they generate money is through viewership. So that's their advertising dollars go up. So if you're getting your information from those sources, looks well, the, the result's going to be fear. If you're if you're get if you're having more input from things that are not from God than things from God, you, that's just a result you're going to get. Yeah, you, you, if you're not spending time in the Word, you're not spending time, you know, living in the Word, spending time in the Word, worshiping God, praying. You Getting your mind focused on the Lord, you're going to be overda- overcome by fear. It's just—it's just what happens. Every decision you make based on fear is going to be a bad decision, and that's what the enemy is trying to do. He—he he comes to steal, to kill. To destroy he's also working progressively trying to get us to bite on those lies and to make decisions based upon those lies and if he can we're going to continually walk down the wrong trail so that's that's what he's doing God didn't give us a spirit of fear but power love and a sound mind so you got to recognize that this battle is real simple devil bad God's good lies truth Death, life. Now, you really, you you need to think, again, about that, writing that down and putting it down the middle. You need to start thinking right now, what am I thinking on and what is it producing? Producing life and peace or is it producing death and fear and destruction? You start thinking about what's going on in your life. Where are your finances? Where's your health? Where are your family? Where is your... You know, just all of those things. And this is the battle. That's why I say the first battle is the battle of the mind. If we don't win this battle, it's going to be hard to walk in freedom. That's just the bottom line. Because understanding the way the enemy attacks us, that he is a liar and he's a murderer and he is the father of lies, and that's all he has. So all he's trying to do is to get us to believe a lie because it keeps us in bondage. Here's another thing that the enemy tries to do. He tries to get us into unbelief. Because if without faith it's impossible to please God, then he's going to try every way possible to get us into unbelief. So that tags along with the fear. I just don't believe. And what he really likes to do, he loves to blame God. Well, you know, here's the lie from the enemy. If God really loved you, you wouldn't be going through these problems. If God really cared for you, you wouldn't have to go through these things. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. But he's constantly accusing, you know, he's the accuser of the brethren. So he not only accuses you of not doing good things, he accuses God of not being good. So if he can get you to believe that God is not good, then basically, who are you going to go to? Oh, by the way, what if you—what if God is your problem? Then where are you going to go for a solution? Well, you'll... You, You won't won't have a solution. So you got to understand that the devil is lying constantly to us and trying to get us to believe a lie, battle a lie. If God loves you, you know, why are these bad things happening in your life? If God really cared for you, you know, what's going on? You must be, you know, either God doesn't like you or, or either you're doing something, you're messed up. But if whatever the enemy can do to get us to believe a lie, he will. And try to, because he knows it's going to produce death. So he wants to try, let's just take it another step. He wants to try to get your emotions and your feelings all enraged. He wants to try every way possible to get you to get angry and upset with people. Remember Ephesians 6, Pastor Chris shared last week, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So we don't battle people. But if the enemy knows that if he can get us upset with one another and we can, oh my gosh, I can't believe they said that. Can you believe they said that? Now, I know y'all have never heard that probably. Can you believe the way they looked at me? They just, he just ignored me completely. Did you see that? I can't believe they said this. I can't believe they did that. That rhetoric is going on all the time because the enemy is trying to get you offended, trying to get you to harbor unforgiveness trying to get you angry that's not right they shouldn't have done that probably not but the case is is that we're called to love and to forgive but the enemy knows that if he can get you to harbor unforgiveness and get angry it's just going to produce turmoil and what's he going to produce death that's not life and peace so you got to realize that the enemy is constantly trying to get you to to believe a lie to be offended to get upset, to get your feelings hurt, or whatever else. Oh, he gets you to be critical. He gets you to complain. Aren't you glad we don't complain? Never complain. We never agree with all these bad things. But the point is, again, criticism literally causes us to, to stop. God's called us to praise. God's not called us to be critical and judgmental of everything that's going on. Again, these are things that the enemy knows that if he can get us in those things, it's going to produce death. So this is the battle that's going on. We can go on and on. Addictions, any kind of addictive behavior, any kind of bondage, it's all from the enemy. The enemy is trying his best to kill, steal, and to destroy. And Jesus has come that we might have life and might have it more abundant. It's just as simple as that. So how do we win this battle? Well, glad you asked. (laughs) <laughs> it, we got to get in the Word. Turn, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to go through some scriptures, and uh, we'll have these also on the screen. But I want you to, to see these, and uh, I encourage you to write these things down. So how do we really walk through this? Oh, wait a minute. Before we do there, let me go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, is a passage of scripture. We're not going to read the whole thing because it's talking about spiritual warfare. But it is uh, chapter 10, verse 5. And it's really just the last part of that. It says, We're bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is how we win you've got to stop the traffic that's going through your mind. You've got to stop everything, every thought, everything that you hear, and you've got to bring it into obedience to the Word of God. So, so the question is, is how do you do that? So now let's go to Colossians chapter 3. And I want to walk you through, I hope, a very simple um, scriptural plan here to help you. Colossians 3, verse 1 says, if then you were raised with Christ, okay, the question first is, if you're raised with Christ. Remember what I said, freedom starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. So true freedom is first salvation and encounter with Christ. If you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Now, let me point out that. The right hand is the, the, hand of, the right side is of authority. Jesus has won the victory. He is seated. He's not up there reading his hands going, gosh, I hope they make it down there. You know, up there just pacing away going, man, I don't know if I did enough work for him. No, no, he's, he's reclined. He's in perfect peace and he's waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. He has won. Not gonna win, has won. And it, we can... Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting. Verse 2, set your mind or set your affections, actually it says in the old King James, on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that amazing? So so here's here's the issue. First and foremost, you are responsible for your thought life. You can't blame somebody else. You can't say, well, my parents made me do this, or I'm this way because somebody cheated me or somebody didn't treat me fair. No, the reality is, is that you are responsible. You're responsible for your thought life, and it tells you what to do. Set your affections and set your mind on things above. You are in charge, and that's just as simple as that. It's difficult. But there's no, we can't blame anybody. We, we, we have to take responsibility. Jesus has paid for us to be free. But you have to take responsibility for your thought life and for what goes in, what you're thinking about, and you can do this because you died with Christ and you're seated with him in heavenly places. So again, it's really important to, to get the truth of the victory and the reality that we are responsible for our own thought life. Look at Philippians, if you have your Bible, you can turn back a chapter. In most Bibles, just a couple of pages. Philippians chapter four, so what do you do? Well, verse eight says, finally brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Wow! Now I'm just tell you who all those things are. It's Jesus. So you think about it for just a moment. The battle over the mind is again to, the enemy is trying to get your mind. I mean, if you can picture this, he's trying to get your mind and turn it down. Turn your mind toward all the bad, negative things are going on. You're responsible for your mind, and And this is saying, what do you do? You meditate on him. Meditate upon the goodness of God. You meditate upon the faithfulness of God. And you think about all those things that are going on in this world, that we're getting a flood of information that's negative. You're in the input that is hitting you constantly. There's something in you. There's something in your family. There's something in this world. There's something at work constantly I mean it is a flood that's coming after us and we've got to understand that wait a minute the only way I'm going to survive is that I'm going to have to set my mind on things above how do you do that I've got to start thinking on things above so my question to you is what are you thinking about what's occupying your your conversation your internal conversation what is going on there I can assure you, the enemy is trying to get you to think on something negative. Every one of us has got situations in our life, we've got some problem that's not solved or fixed. And the enemy always wants to bring that up and causes, and cause that to be the major issue. And that's why the battle here is that Jesus is on the throne. He has won. Look at Romans chapter 12. Again, these these should be very familiar passages to you. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the reason I point this scripture out to you, because it says, don't be conformed to this world, or the way the world's thinking, but be transformed be transformed. Why? Because we didn't come out perfect. Most of us have been trained by the world. Most of us, it depends on where you came into the Jesus and into the relationship by the Spirit into the kingdom of God, that's how much that you've been programmed by the world. So we're going to have to be reprogrammed as we move forward. That's why, and the only way to reprogram you is through the Word of God. No different than a computer. You think about computers run on programs. Um, They run on that program. They don't run on other programs until you get rid of that program and get another program in them. So what we've got here is that we've been programmed by the world. We've been programmed by the devil, who is the God of this world. We've been programmed to think negatively. We've been programmed to think in, in lies. And so the truth comes into our life and so we're, the only way we have to be transformed, we have to go. We've got to be renewed. We've got to reprogram ourselves. Now the good news is is that we can, because of Jesus. Yeah, so don't say, "Well, I'm I'm just I'm sunk. You know, I can't do it." No, you can, because the Word of God is living and active yeah, and yeah, sharper yeah, than two-edged sword. The Word of God is a person, Jesus, yeah, right. and the Spirit of God leads us and guides us and directs us into all truth. But you still have to spend time in the Word. You know, it's not the truth I know that makes you free. It's not the truth that Pastor Chris knows that makes you free. It's not the truth that the guy on on the internet and on the TV knows that makes you free. It's the truth that you know that makes you free. And your freedom is limited to the truth that you know that you live out, that you walk out, that you stop that traffic with that truth, you stop those lies. And that really is, that's what the truth is. Okay, now back to John 8, and I want to wrap up here because this is so, so very, very important. John 8, verse 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. Abide literally means to dwell or to remain, and one translation actually means to sojourn. So what it's saying here is that you can't just casually read the word. You've got to remain and dwell and and get into it. Now, again, it's not just black ink on white pages. It's living because Jesus is the word. But the point is, is that, look, the only way it's going to happen, the only way you're going to get free, I can't make you free. I can pray over you. We can take you through ministry. (laughs) You have to take your thoughts captive and you have to set your mind on things above and you have to reprogram the way you think and the only way that's going to happen is buying through the Word of God. Right. Only way. I've tried every way possible. the only way. But I can promise you, if you will spend time in the Word, if you will abide and dwell in the Word, you become a disciple of Jesus, a follower, a learner of His, it will make you free. The only freedom it really is, it's, it's personal. It's for you. Jesus paid for it. He went to the cross. He paid with his life. One last verse and I want to pray. This is um, Luke chapter 4. And this is where the enemy encountered Jesus. And he says, if you are the Son of God, why don't you do this? Look what Jesus responded in Luke chapter 4, verse 4. He answered and said, it is written Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus himself modeled for us exactly how you win this war. The devil is talking to him. He says, if you are the son of God, why don't you do something? Well, the father had spoken 40 days before and said, you're my beloved son and you, I'm well pleased. The devil challenged his position of love and his sonship. Amazing to me. But Jesus didn't dialogue like Eve did in the garden. Jesus just responded, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Wow. You want to know how to win? That's how you win. You've got to take those thoughts captive. You've got to stop that negative thought. Those negative thoughts, those things are going on, constantly negative. And you've got to, wherever it is, whenever it is, you've got to stop it and say, wait a minute, it is written. The only problem with that is you have to know what's written. Now, of course, Jesus is the word, so obviously he has the ability to do that, but we do too. You've got to know the word of God. You've got to, that word has got to become flesh in you. It's got to become alive. You want to be free? That's how you become free. And that's how you respond. You go, you know, devil, I'm not biting on that lie. I know God loves me. I thank you that I'm His beloved son or daughter, and he is well pleased with me. He's not always well-pleased with what I do, but he's well-pleased with me. He loves me. And so that's how you win. It is written. And then what does he say? Man does not live by natural things. Man lives by the Word of God. Thank you for listening to the Sojourn Church Podcast. For more messages or content similar to this, please visit our website. If you would like to support our ministry, please visit the first link in the show description or visit SojournChurch.org slash give.